Can you hear me? Yeah, it's coming. Oh, push it away. Okay. So uh, now would be the time for you to log on to our church Facebook page and please share the live stream. Uh, it's, it gets out to a lot of people, so it is uh, quite important. I'll give you a couple moments to do so. And can I have the PowerPoint back on? Perfect. So today's sermon is entitled, Come Back to Christ. Now, I know for a lot of us this is a touchy subject. I can't imagine that there's one person amongst our congregation here today that doesn't have a loved one that has chosen to actively not just leave the church, but to walk away from God. And uh, it's a hard thing to deal with. It's an ugly reality that we face. You know, I tried to rack my brain with reasons why do we walk away from God? You know, I left the church for seven years. Why did I walk away from God? There's a lot of reasons. I mean, we can look at depression. I believe there's a report that says the average college student now has more anxiety and depression than what would be considered for someone to be admissible into an insane asylum in the 1800s. Maybe that's why. Addictions. We struggle with various forms of addictions, whether it is drugs, pornography, TV, internet. All of these things can be seen as addictions. But you know, I was thinking, how does this affect our families when we walk away? How does it affect us when our family members walk away? Let me ask you, are you happy when a loved one leaves the church? Is Christ happy when one of his children leave the church? It is an extremely sad moment. You know, I look around and I'm actually quite pleased to see the amount of young people that we have in our church today. What a blessing to have, you know, from babies to teenagers to young adults. But the statistic right now is that churches are not filled to the brim with young people. We're not seeing that anymore. So I thought to myself, what roles are affecting these? How is this happening? But it's as easy as opening up any application on your phone that leads to social media. And what do those apps have in common? They're all focused on self. Your cameras, if you take them out, there's a camera right in the front. So you can pose and take selfies all day long. And, oh, that's a good one. My friends have to see it. The media itself is dividing families. There's nothing but fear-mongering going on right now. You turn on the TV, it's about more people being killed. It's about this person's bad, that person's bad. 
And they want you to focus on it. They want you to be terrified of worldly things. It's a distraction. But these distractions are so powerful and they toy so heavy with the emotions of the individuals that watch them that it actually can lead us astray. If our attention is not on Christ, it is not where it should be focused. I want to take a look at two verses that I found in the Bible uh, that I think are really important. Uh, if you turn with me, and I'll give you a few moments to do so, to Romans sixteen seventeen. It says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. You know, I've grown up in a Christian home. I went to a Christian elementary, high school, and a Christian university for some time. And now, for many of my peers that I grew up with, when I look upon what their engagement is, what their view is of, of God, I've seen a lot leave the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I've seen a lot leave faith altogether. And the commonality in that is that they didn't want to adhere to doctrine that they knew. 2 Timothy 4, 3 to 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You know, when I came back to the church after leaving for, for quite a period of time, uh, one thing my wife can attest to is that I always said, I want to come back to a church that changes me, not a church that has to change for me. And that's a hard thing. And I can't even say that I'm there yet. There's still things. God is constantly working to change us. But you know what? That's a good thing. But there's always a pushback, and I pushed back. Oh, boy, did I ever. I wanted that, but I didn't want it. <laughs> I want the church to change me, but, oh, but I don't want to change this about myself. No, 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 I, I, I need to adhere, but, oh, but no, no. It's a constant fight. But... To follow our own passions isn't following what God wants for us. We need to follow God's will, God's desire. You know, there was, uh, just in the talk about social media, there was a post going around for quite some time, and uh, I actually saw quite a, a few of my friends share it, and it was that there is an issue happening. If you do not agree with the way that I view this issue, you are not a true Christian, and with as much disrespect possible, unfriend me. 
This was a post that I saw not just from one or two people on my own Facebook friends that I know, but numerous people. Now I ask you, can I tell anyone here that they are not a Christian? Can I judge you and say, Richard, you know, you're not doing things the way that I would do them, so sorry. You're, no, of course not. There is only one judge. Amen. Only one. I turned to Ellen White, and uh, unfortunately I'm not sure where exactly this is from. Uh, I'll try to look into it uh, some more. But she says, the whole earth is to be lightened with the glory of God. Part of the earth? Just North America? Just Europe, maybe? The whole earth. But how difficult for some to see and acknowledge the light and be converted. You know, I thought about this. To be converted, to how difficult it is to see the light. So, Ellen White is talking about someone living in darkness. You know, if you're walking out of darkness and you open a door and there's a huge thing of light, you know, sometimes it can be hard to stare at. But if your goal is to continue into that light, that's great. Christ says that I should heal them. The atmosphere of selfishness, pride, formality, and self-righteousness surrounds their soul and it is very difficult for them to discern light and appreciate it. Some walk away from the light into darkness, and this is very important here, and how much greater is the darkness that enshrouds their souls because they have had the light. Refusing to walk in the light, they stumble at most precious things. Refusing to see the truth, they stumble and know not at what they stumble. The light that has been graciously given has not been appreciated nor brought into practical life. And my are the doers, and, and few are the doers of the word. Every true believer should have a realization of his solemn responsibility before God to be a missionary seeking to save those that are lost. So my other thought, you have people that knew the light. They know what the light is. They've seen it before. Now they're living in darkness. So when they see the light again, to keep away from it, you have to actively block your eyes. You have to actively advert your gaze because you don't want to see it. Does that mean all is lost for those that have walked away from the church? I mean, it's, I don't want to sound grim, but that's why I wanted to see, you know, what does Christ teach us? And I'm going to read two very common parables, but I'd like everyone to, to really think about, you know, the loved ones in their lives in regards to these. Luke 15, 3 to 7 So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Can you imagine if as a congregation we see someone coming through those church doors that we haven't seen in years? And we were that joyous. Rejoice with me. We have the greeters doing a wonderful job. Yes, but we're all greeters. We're all missionaries. And we can be missionaries just as much so in our own church as we can to our own city, our own province, country, and to the world. Luke 15, 11 to 32 this is the parable of the prodigal son, and I am going to read all of it, so bear with me. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that, are, that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, fattened, the fattened calf, and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. I'm going to pause there for a moment. He was dead, but now is alive. When I actively choose to walk away from Christ with the knowledge of the truth, with the knowledge of his love for me, am I clinging on to life or am I clinging on to self? Self is ultimately an eternal death. We have the realization in this story, and sometimes it takes a trial for us to have a realization. Sometimes there are obstacles put in our path because they are meant to be so. Whether we have left the church, whether we are in the church. The thing is, when we look at our loved ones that have walked away, when we think of ourselves in regards to perhaps we've walked away at some point, well, why didn't this work to plan? You know, I raised my child in such a way, why didn't it work to plan? Have faith, because Christ's plan is still in motion. Yes. 
Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drawn near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. So his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. We need to be willing to celebrate as a congregation, new members coming in, returning members coming in. And we need to remember that we are a church family. There's no need for jealousy in things. There's no need for hate, for dismay. You know, someone comes in, perhaps you're not the best friends with them, but you still got to love them. That's what we're called to do. In my seven years of really going away from the church and being about as far from it as I, as I think I could have possibly been, this verse rings to me very clearly, and that is Revelations 3.20. This is a very well-known verse. It's, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, that if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Isn't that interesting? See, I closed that door. I thought I was done with faith. I didn't need it. There's probably others in this congregation that have felt the same way at some time. There are probably those that are feeling that right now. But let me tell you, just because you feel that way, just because I felt that way, doesn't mean Christ walks away from the door. He spent seven years knocking away knowing that it would take me seven years to finally get up, open that door, and let him in. Isn't that beautiful? You know, I, I hear a lot of members talking about being, a, being call porters, and I, I just think, can you imagine knocking on someone's door for seven years, hoping that they'll finally come and open it? And the whole time they're saying, I want nothing to do with you, blah, blah, blah. But he doesn't give up. That in itself is, I think, just absolutely beautiful. You know, my next thought was, well, what can we do? What can we do to bring our loved ones back? What can we do? Nothing. Alone? Absolutely nothing. But with Christ, what can't we do? But we have to let Christ work in us. You know, there's the importance of ridding ourselves of, of, of self. Paul calls it the old man and letting Christ fill us. Do you think people will see the difference between someone who walked five, six, seven years without God, turning their, their, their everything away from him, to now coming back? Do you think people would be able to see the difference of a person filled with Christ? We have such an important job 
And the reason I'm saying this is because everyone here knows someone that's walked away. Satan uses that in itself as discouragement. He tries to use that to get you to walk away as well. He uses fights, abuse, divorce. His arsenal and toolkit is great for attacking God's people. But we need to weather it. You know, we're all naked here. Whether we want to clothe ourselves in our fanciest clothing, but we're all naked, we can try to say, hey, look, I'm covered in my own works. I'm covered in, in all the, these garments of everything that I've done right, and it means nothing. So when I say we need to weather the storm, you know, you don't want to go out into a storm, a hurricane in shorts and a tank top. It says Maui on it. That's not going to help you. Let Christ clothe you in his righteousness so that you can weather that storm. And for those that are caught out in the storm, that are looking for help, that may not even know that they're looking for help, you can be there thanks to Christ in you to help bring them back. First Chronicles 16.11 So I put these uh, four verses that I'll be sharing in order that I thought uh, really struck a chord with me. That the first thing I can do is to seek the Lord and his strength, to seek his presence continually. That's the first step, in, in my opinion. How, do, how can I help bring people back? I can't. So I seek the Lord and his strength, not mine, his, and then I seek his presence once, twice. You know, like one of those distant relatives I phone once a year, to wish happy birthday to you? No. Continually. Ephesians 4.2 With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. The thing about an individual who has walked away from Christ is that it will take time for them to come back. People in the church, myself included, we get impatient. I have friends that I'm like, yeah, 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 come on. Oh, we're having church next week. You got to come. But it may not be the best avenue. Always invite. Always be friendly. But gentleness and patience. Be there for the person. Christ will do the rest. James 5:16 Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working 
We need to be healed first. We need to let God work in us so that he can use us to work in others. 1 Peter 4.8 Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. You know, when we talk about God, he is the God of love. Where we think we're lost, he's just around the corner waiting to bring us back. When we think that everything is as bad as it can be and that we've hit rock bottom, he throws down a rope to bring us back up. God is in control. I want you to think of all the moments in your life that you knew God was in control. And now I want you to understand that he is just as much in control in the moments where we feel uncertain, scared, and under attack as he was in the moments that you knew he was in control. Back to our scripture reading. So also you have sorrow now but I will see you again. I like to think of these words in a more modern uh, day view where people have walked away, but Christ is saying, I'll see you again. He's not giving up. And neither should we. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hebrews 7, 24 to 25. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. He's literally the Redeemer. Christ continues to reach out for us. He's always knocking at the door. He's willing to leave the 99 just to find the one. Whether they are people who have yet to make a relationship with him or those that knew him and walked away. He doesn't give up on us. You know, he took all of our sins upon himself and died our death upon the cross at Calvary. So with that, I would like to turn to our closing hymn, number 159, The Old Rugged Cross.
Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your saving grace, Lord. I want to thank you for each individual that are standing in the pews today and watching us over live stream. And Lord, as I look out at the members in the pews, I see empty spaces still, and I pray that they were filled with just a group of angels, Lord. Until those that have walked away come back to fill those seats, Lord, I pray that you continue to send your angels to rejoice and to worship you with us. I'm so thankful for your Sabbath day and, Lord, for the hope of your second coming. And as that time draws near, Lord, I pray that the hearts of those who are wanting to know you but haven't yet made that decision are tugged on even so much more, Lord. We can't wait to meet those that are wanting to get to know you, and we can't wait to rejoice with those who return to spend eternity with you, Lord. In your heavenly name, amen.